I made literally like every mistake you could make. Didn't know how to use the tools. I didn't know how to use WordPress. So fast forward a little bit. I had those ups and downs, but I kept learning, kept trying. And then in 2015, after two years with side hustles, I ended up getting laid off from my full-time job. And I thought, ah, I got a chance now to actually go full-time and grow this up a little bit. So I've shifted more into the media side, YouTube and, and podcasting, where slowly advertisers came on. It ended up being more than just a funnel. It ended up being more than that. All right, guys, welcome back to the Courses and Funnels podcast. I'm here today with Doug Cunnington from uh, your niche site. He has an amazing uh, YouTube channel. He's selling a ton of online courses, a lot of information products, and has been doing this for years. So, Doug, super excited to have you on, man. Thanks, Lucas. Really appreciate the invite. Uh, I'm, I'm pumped to get into it. Same, man. The same. Uh, pumped to get into it. So, uh, I, I guess maybe let's start. You do a ton of things, man, like YouTuber, podcaster, course creator. You have a finance kind of business on the side as well. So maybe give people a rundown as to, you know, you know the, the hero's journey, what the last few years have looked like and what you're doing now in terms of, you know, info products and, and courses and funnels. I've learned to simplify it down to just say I have a media company where I produce podcasts. I have two podcasts, a couple of YouTube channels and a blog and we can rewind I started with a kind of a horrible corporate job, like a, a lot of us do. Mm -hmm. So I got out of school, got a job, and I ended up in management consulting. And it was fine. I was trying to climb the corporate ladder, but I really, I wasn't fulfilled. And I was generally unhappy. And I was traveling a lot. The pay was very good. Luckily, I was learning a few skills along the way, though I didn't quite realize it. Eventually, I got into project management and earned my PMP. So I was like pretty deep in the middle management yeah. area. And right about 2013, after nearly a decade in the industry, I found Smart Passive Income and learned about affiliate marketing and SEO. And I thought it sounded like a total scam. I was like, this, this doesn't seem right. I wondered if people could actually make money online and the numbers they were throwing out, you know, tens of thousands of dollars per month. I was like, that, that can't be real. But I, I was hooked. So I kept listening to Pat Flynn and started jumping off to other influencers and uh, creators and just learning about blogging. So within like six weeks or so, I launched my first blog, and it was a complete flop. I made literally like every mistake you could make. Didn't know how to use the tools. I didn't know how to use WordPress. I mean, I was totally green. And I, I was hooked. So I was like, all right, I got the first failure out of the way. And within six months or so, after a couple iterations, I was able to launch a site with a, a monetization via Amazon affiliate. And I think one month I made like, $6,000. And I was like, wow, this exceeded any goal I had by about 30 times. So I was like, okay, I can spend some time on this. Now, like all good heroes journeys, right? I had some up, ups and downs. So a quick success, but I, I dropped to the bottom, felt like I didn't know what I was doing. So fast forward a little bit, I had those ups and downs, but I kept learning, kept trying. And then in 2015, after two years with side hustles, I ended up getting laid off from my full-time job. And I thought, ah, I got a chance now 
to actually go full-time and grow this up a little bit. Luckily, my wife let me give it a shot and I was able to test out a lot of different businesses and I actually ended up you know, sticking with the affiliate marketing and SEO. This is right about 2016. And in parallel, the whole time, for some reason, I thought I want to also have my own personal brand and a blog, which is called Niche Site Project. And I also want to make sure I have my own products. So really very early on, I had like an ebook, but in 2016, I developed like the first version of the flagship course, which I still sell to this day in 2023. So I've iterated, I've, I've improved the course, rebranded a little bit, but generally um, that was my first taste into, you know, really building a, a funnel, really building a course and then supporting courses around it. Uh, along the way, I got interested in podcasting and YouTube and layered on different pieces of the funnel. And I also got into personal finance and the, the FIRE movement, the financial independence, retire early. So I have like a whole other set of interests and skills and a whole other network in the personal finance space. Love it. Love it, man. So tell us, that was amazing. Lots of stuff there, affiliate courses. So currently right now, I guess, what does the, what is the main kind of business look like for you? I, you know, you've got a little a lot of YouTube channels and you're a media company, but kind of what does this, you know, product or kind of offer suite look like for you? So for several years, mm -hmm. it ended up being about 50% course revenue, mm -hmm. about 50% with advertising and then affiliate marketing revenue. Mm -hmm. So I still had like niche sites, authority sites on the side of slowly liquidated those and sold those over the years as honestly, my interest just kind of shifted. And I thought, I, I don't really get excited about working on these after, you know, five, six, seven years. It's not quite as fun and novel. So I've shifted more into the media side, YouTube and, and podcasting where slowly advertisers came on. It ended up being more than just a, a funnel. It ended up being more than that. Nice. So, so basically, it's kind of a split, and I, we were chatting beforehand, and I'm I'm transparent, um, you know, as much much as I can without sharing my bank account or anything. But I'm winding down certain courses because the industry has changed, and I'm not building brand new sites currently. So that's what my course was about. So there are other creators who have courses, my friends and peers that I've worked with for years, and now you know, they have courses which are more relevant. So I am currently starting to transition sunset courses now that the the life of that course is probably coming to an end. And I'm promoting other people's courses as well as thinking of, you know, new ideas for other courses that I can come up with. Interesting. So promoting other people's course ideas, that's something I actually want to jump into because we've spoken a lot about kind of like organic strategies and even like paid ads on this podcast, but like we haven't had a specialist in affiliate marketing and, and you've been doing it for ages, right? Blogs on Amazon, that's like info products, but now, you know, you're kind of doing this affiliate strategy with kind of online courses. So I'm curious for people who don't know anything about affiliate marketing, um, super beginner question, but how does affiliate marketing work in the, you know, e-learning info product kind of space? Sure. Mm -hmm. So we'll give just a specific example mm -hmm. for how I currently do it. So I, I also have a podcast and I have a lot of friends. So I'm mm -hmm. like, Hey, why don't you come on the show 
tell us a story, a success story, or actually a mistake story is really fun too, where you could share some learnings from something that didn't go well. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they may have a course. So I'll promote the course to my audience and maybe there's a discount, maybe not, but I get a commission if one of my listeners purchases the course and it depending on who you're working with it mm-hmm. can range from say 15 to 50 percent or mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. in the last few years i've actually seen the commission rates come down which i'm not 100 percent sure why that's happened because the overhead for courses has either stayed exactly the same or it's cheaper now yeah. than it used to be it has to be cheaper right and it, yeah. yeah right yeah, yeah, yeah. So, i mean like you could sign up for, you know, Kajabi or Teachable mm-hmm. or whatever, and then have a course up this afternoon. I, uh, it's so easy to set up a course these days. And one thing you can do as an affiliate, especially for an info product or a course, is offer a bonus. So maybe I have a course on productivity, and I could say, hey, if you buy this course that my friend created, the bonus from me, which is unique that you cannot get anywhere else, is this product productivity course. And you just get it free once you send me the enrollment. So you could add bonuses to sweeten the deal. And if there are a bunch of affiliates out there, I'm offering something that you can't get anywhere else. So a potential student would prefer to sign up with me versus other people. So it's a great way. And in fact, I have a friend named Cody Berman, and he has a a course with his business partner, and it's on uh, Etsy printables, so digital printables. And he's grown his business huge, I think, in the mid-seven figures, mostly, I think, with a course through affiliate deals and like hopping on other people's email lists. So he he's doing awesome. There's other courses on it, but they've done a really good job with the marketing. They kind of perfected their funnel. So as soon as an affiliate refers someone into their funnel, they do a really good job converting. Yeah. Can we dive into that a little bit more? So like, for example, your, your friend Cody, Cody mm-hmm. is running this course. If someone has a course, right? in a particular niche, biz up, B2B, whatever, what would that strategy look like in terms of like going out, finding affiliates for yourself, onboarding them and, and kind of generating sales through that? Because, you know, there could be a world where, you know, you didn't even need social organic, you didn't even need paid ads. If you have good kind of affiliates lined up and, it's, and a great offer, you know, there's people doing all these kind of like seven figure launches just from affiliates alone. So tell us a little bit kind of what that process looks like, how you've been kind of like outreach to with other people's courses, how you got affiliates on for your own courses. Yeah, kind of you know, spill the beans on what's going on. We'll have to think through it a little bit. I got some good ideas. One thing as you were asking that, as a course creator, mm. I was never very successful mm. with pulling affiliates on mm. to actually do a really good job consistently. I'm not sure. I did have a couple close to six-figure launches, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't able to keep repeating it. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm not sure if the market shifted or or what, but me personally, I've only had a, a couple flashes in the pan, which was cool, but I was never able to recreate it. Now, from a marketing perspective, I could talk about it, but I just wanted to 
give full disclosure that I haven't I haven't cracked the nut. Yeah, well, you know, just under six figures cool. for a launch is still, you know, cracking the nut for most people. You know, I, they won't be not happy with that. Thank so, you. Yeah. <laughs> so one thing, one of the easiest things you could do is do competition analysis, right? Mm. So look at, hopefully there are other course creators in the niche that you're in. Mm. If not, you might be a little too early and it might be hard to sell stuff. So if you're able to look at what your competitors are doing, then you're going to be able to see if they have any affiliates. Now, you might not be able to build the same relationship, but at least that gives you a view into the kind of other influencers and creators that are promoting those products. So that that's number one. Other than that, you want to get in front of other people's audiences. So if you're a YouTuber or you have good, you know, video skills and you're a good interviewee, then you can reach out to YouTubers usually people are doing YouTube and podcasts at the same time. But I mean, that is a great platform and it allows the listener or viewer to really get to know your personality more than email copy or just reading your blog. It takes much longer to build that relationship. And as a podcaster, I know, and a podcast listener, I know how I feel like I know the podcaster and I'm like friends with them, even though I never met them. And you meet them at a conference and you try not to be creepy because you know all these details about. So if you're able to hop on with people with an audience, especially podcasters or YouTubers, it's a great way to build a relationship. And often they are interested in promoting a course, especially if they don't have one in that specific area. Yeah, super smart. Okay, love it. So look competitors and then try and go on podcasts and interviews. Now, you've got a lot of courses and you've worked on a lot and you mentioned before around kind of the idea of like evergreen funnels, right? You've done launches and evergreen funnels. So tell us kind of, I know that you're looking to like start launching new courses, but in terms of the evergreen model versus the launch model, did you have kind of like multiple in each? Kind of what are the pros and cons and how are you doing each? Uh, yeah, t- to get results. I've gone back and forth. Mm-hmm. Currently, I'm doing a quarterly launch for the flagship course, and that's worked out great. Now, with a launch and scarcity, I highly recommend everyone read the book Influence, by the way. So I'll throw out some terms that are mm-hmm. used in there in, in many other marketing books, but mm-hmm. Robert Cialdini. Scarcity is huge, and if you do a launch... Having a cutoff date is a perfect way to force someone into making a decision. Mm -hmm. Either, yeah, I'm going to get the course or no, I'm not. Mm. And the thing is, I, I did have an evergreen funnel running for about three years or so. And it was great. So I can't remember the software I used. I think there's plenty of them out there. But it had a cookie for everyone that visited the sales page Mm -hmm. or even received an email. So everything was integrated with email, the sales page, probably a couple other things. So when someone looked at the the site, they had a unique deadline for them based on when they started the funnel. So people can, can study this and it worked pretty well. The flaw that I had and the reason why I went back 
just to regular quarterly launches is the tech stack was really Frankenstein together. So it was probably about five different tools. And I had Zapier linking things up. And when it worked, it was really cool. It was kind of fun to set up. But when it broke, it was a nightmare. So that would happen probably every six weeks or a quarter. And one of the APIs would change on one of the tools, and then you would have an issue. Luckily, I have a engineering, computer engineering background, so I was actually able to like troubleshoot without too much help. But it was, you know, not what I wanted to work on. Like I'm, I feel like I'm more of a marketer now. I don't want to troubleshoot the tech stack. The biggest issue that people run into with trying to use an evergreen funnel is they have not optimized their regular launch. If you launch a course one time or launch any product one time and then try and put it into a funnel, you shot yourself in the foot. I mean, it's a huge mistake because it is amplifying and scaling an inefficient process. It is ineffective. You haven't tested. And I spent two years, eight launches, optimizing the launch. And if if I'm doing it quarterly, the feedback cycle is pretty slow. So it literally took me two years. And then once I knew that I was getting those big launches, I was like, now email copy is good. Everything's good here. I can put this into the evergreen funnel. So if you're thinking I want to do an evergreen funnel, make sure that you're testing and that your whole launch sequence is optimized from the the pre-launch emails to the launch emails to the you know the the final day the final hour like make sure you have everything as perfect as you can get it because when you start sending out tens of thousands of emails and it's not perfect then you're just kind of wasting your time yeah totally so so basically from you know over those two years What's the main difference, would you say, from you know funnel V1 to kind of funnel V8, right? Obviously, like copy messaging, kind of what, how does it evolve over time and what are you learning? Um, and, and I guess, you know, any kind of results you can share around different tweaks that you did and, and kind of how they impacted, you know, launch numbers and things like that. It started with about 16 or 17 emails mm-hmm. over 14 days. Mm-hmm. So... Obviously, at that point, I got over any nervousness for sending out a lot of emails. Emails, really, the more you send, the more you're going to sell. So at some point, I was like, okay, I could send more. What I realized is there was a big dead spot in the middle where no sales were coming in. I was sending out the emails. I felt bad for sending them out, knowing that like it was kind of annoying people, but my goal was to you know, sell, sell courses and hopefully provide value and some entertainment. Anyway, I shortened it down after observing um, people that were much more advanced than me to a five-day launch. Mm-hmm. I realized, you know what? Five days is plenty long enough. Maybe I tested seven days occasionally, but five days is perfect and I'll send six emails. One thing I did have from sending the 14 emails, I saw very clearly or 16 emails over 14 days, I saw very clearly at least the top third of them. So I I was able Mm -hmm. to just use the best ones based on open rate or click through or whatever interaction I was looking for. So through the testing, even though there was waste, I found out what didn't work and I was able to take the the best portions of it and, and just use that. 
most of the positioning was actually pretty good. So I, I felt confident in that. One thing that I also tested was webinars. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I still hear from people, there's a software company that was telling me, oh yeah, we're converting at a crazy rate with webinars, but they tended to not work that well for me. And I couldn't figure it out because, you know, people had great success in the 2016, 2019 run with webinars, but I figured out, I think, and you you tell me, Lucas, if you think so, Mm I think it's because I had a YouTube channel. So people already trusted me. So I didn't need to go on video to build the trust because I had hundreds of videos on YouTube already. And then if you fast forward a little bit, I'm doing podcasts, right? So people already knew that they knew my vibe. They knew um, what to expect in the course. And I didn't need to spend an hour on a webinar. So they never converted that well for me. So when I tested them, I was like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. And I heard from a couple other people, very uh, anecdotal evidence that if your email copy is really good and you have like a body of work somewhere else where someone can trust you, you probably need, webinars are not going to make a huge difference. So Lucas, what do you think? Do you have any other observations? Well, it all depends on the webinar, right? Like, you know, Get, getting in, in front of people is, is never going to be bad, right? Having people on a live webinar where they can't skip or, you know, can't speed up and they're forced to hear your marketing message can always be good. I, I think it can definitely, if your market is sophisticated where, you know, they've been reading your emails, they know what you're about, they know what you teach, um, they've spent hours with you already. If they're not getting anything new or anything game-changing on that webinar, maybe, um, where it's like, you know, I I know I've said all this stuff, but this thing is completely different. As an example, it it may kind of fall, you know, a little bit flat where, you know, I've heard this before. And, you know, like you said, if if the marketing message is already there and they've warmed up and they like you, maybe going just direct to the offer, the kind of the – because the audience is smaller than, than a cold audience – driving them there, you, you get less drop off and, and you can make more. That's that's my thoughts anyway. So yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Cause I, it was almost always a warmish audience mm-hmm. because I, I ran some ads early on, but in the make money online space, which I essentially that's what I'm in. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the ads were a little, I mean, I just didn't, I was getting a lot of crazy comments and I'm like, I don't want to deal with these people, which, you know, it's part of doing business, but I was like, yeah. ah, I think you're right though. A cold audience, like they don't know me yet. They don't know me yet. Yeah. Okay. So, so tell us, I guess, out of your course suite, what would you say that the most kind of like successful products are and what were the topics of them and what did the offer stack look like for each of them? My kind of price point positioning. I have six courses total. Mm-hmm. The flagship hands down was the best. Mm-hmm. I promoted it much more. Honestly, I've, I was kind of lazy with the supporting courses, which in a lot of ways were advanced pieces of the same topic area, which was how to build a niche authority website mm-hmm. that got traffic from Google via SEO and was monetized with affiliate marketing and display ads. So like right in my sweet spot, exactly what I have experience. And as I mentioned before, for my corporate job, I actually, I I learned a lot, though I didn't realize it at the time. And a lot of that actually helped me as an entrepreneur. So with project management, I'm Mm -hmm. creating, I'm creating job aids. I am 
creating templates and systems cool. and trying to make a project repeatable. So that's perfect for creating a course, especially where I can look at a mess of, you know, other creators or blogs where they're documenting the process on YouTube or something. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to follow. And I could take a big process and distill it down and just create a course. So my background is perfect to create a course and then uh, make sure the users are, and students are going to be able to mm-hmm. use it exactly how they want to. So that that one hands down was the best. I spent more time creating it, mm-hmm. marketing it. Mm-hmm. It's a transformational course. So it's, you know, a few hours, several hours long, probably 60 videos or something like that. Wow. And the all the other courses are cheaper. So the flagship course had a price range of 500 to about $2,000. Cool. I did have a a one-time payment where you got a 15% discount. So there was the basic level, which was 500 or four, 497, right? You always yeah, got to make the price. That's it, man. Seven, yeah. yeah. And then you have the advanced 997. Mm-hmm. And then you had the premium, which was 1897. Mm-hmm. So if you paid over 12 months, then it was whatever, 15% higher than that, roughly. Cool. For the basic course, it had six units, usually about three to five lessons per unit. The advanced version had that same basic six units plus three or four advanced units with three to five lessons in there. The premium version was the same as advanced, except it had four one-hour, one-on-one coaching sessions with me. And that gave, you know, some options and sure, you know, not that many people purchase the premium level, but from a price anchoring perspective, again, uh, read some marketing books Um, by having three options. I sold more of the middle version because I had a higher tier above that because some people they're like, I'm I'm not going to, I'm not going to buy the premium level, but I don't want the basic either. So it increases sales, even if hardly anyone goes for it. And that, that worked great. Now, all the other courses were, again, kind of advanced supporting courses. And they range from 150 to, I think, like four or $500. So a little bit cheaper, depending on what was in there. And, you know, some of them were kind of trends in the industry where a lot of people were talking about something and I had experience in it. And there was a lot of buzz around it. So sometimes those would sell really well for six months or so. And then the interest level or the effectiveness or just the chatter in the ether out there like went down. So the interest in that, say a link building course, it went down. So some go up, some go down. And, you know, frankly, if I was doing it right and if I was advising someone, I would tell them they should probably be promoting those five courses like kind of consistently. So maybe I do the quarterly launch with a flagship, but what I should have been doing is say every three to four weeks is to do a mini launch for each one of the other smaller courses I have, but I haven't done it. Yeah. Yeah. Too many things to do, man. There's always those, uh, those stuff. So with the flagship course, let's step back. So we have those, those three, uh, three pricing tiers. You mentioned affiliate marketing and blogging in terms of selling. Is that correct? So how are you selling it and what did the funnel look like to be able to sell at that price point? So 
overall the funnel, the the top end mm. of the funnel, I have a YouTube channel. I talk about SEO, affiliate mm. marketing, all the same stuff. Mm. Podcast, same topics. I cross post those. I do have a pretty big catalog on YouTube of SEO topics, especially around keyword research. So it's like the exact right people that are interested in blogging and earning money online. I encourage everyone to sign up to the email list. So that's kind of the main thing that I wanted to do. Over the years, I've sent close to thousand separate different emails or something like that. I need to tally it up. There's Mm -hmm. quite a lot of emails, but in the same way that I distilled the the launch sequence emails, Mm -hmm. I know these emails have a very high open rate. So I have an autoresponder series with, I think, I think currently it's about 15 emails. It's been as high as about 40 or so. So if someone signs up for almost a year, they're going to get an email every week that's pointing them to a blog post or a video that I've already published just to keep that sort of constant uh, stream of interest and getting people to want to open those emails. So get them on the email list. And then for the actual sales funnel for the flagship, I would have a two week sequence. So I I said the launch is five days. So that's Monday to Friday. I send six emails. The preceding week, I send three emails. I frame it as a mini course. And for about two weeks before the mini course comes out, so that's a month before the actual launch, I tell people, hey, there's going to be a mini course on starting a website or improving a website that you already have. It's free. It comes out via email. Mm -hmm. And I use some of the classic sales funnel strategies where I believe it's uh, pain agitate, and then solution, P-A-S, right? Mm -hmm. So I talk about my career and how I had to sit in traffic and I had to travel and I didn't have control. So that's Mm -hmm. the pain, right? And then the second email in the pre-launch, the preceding week, I agitated some more and talk about a specific story where I was traveling around the holidays and I had my boss come in and say, ah, you know what? We need you to stay another day, like right before Thanksgiving. And I was like, ah, I don't have control of my life. So agitating it and people respond back and I get them to interact a little bit. I get them to write on a piece of paper, their goal, Mm -hmm. and then take a picture and send it to me. That's pretty effective when people actually like take pen to paper and they put it on their desk. And then on the third email, I say, hey, if you want to change things, you could kind of do what I did. And then I walk them through a specific example where they can start making progress. So I actually guide them to go over to Amazon, look at some products that they're interested in, and just browse around and think, hey, can I build a website in this topic area in yoga equipment and mats and like the yoga lifestyle or whatever? And I, I take screenshots and I show them exactly. And I tell them, hey, you do the same thing. Find something that you're interested in. And I tell them, all right, this is really the first step in starting your site. If you want to do more, I lead them all the way up to where they're like, okay, what's next? How do I, how do I keep going along with this? I want to follow in your footsteps. And I say, next Monday, I have a course coming out. The email is going to come out on Monday. Mm-hmm. And then that gets them to the five-day sequence where typically on Monday, it's pretty simple. The course is out. 
go check it out. Here's a couple details. It's not too long. The other three emails during the week typically are testimonials or case studies, actual students that have gone through where I can share some real results. I try to pick people that are completely different. Cool. So I'm not going to do you know, three software engineers, right? Mm. I'll do maybe one tech person, maybe a single mom, and then a blue collar family man, mm-hmm. whatever, right? Pick, pick whatever you want, but it's really effective to share a different story so people can connect with it because yeah. your audience is very diverse. Mm-hmm. So as you're coming up at the end, you know, an FAQ is really good. And then a last call email, maybe six or eight hours, whenever you want to send it, give people a little time to check their email. Mm-hmm. And it really, it's just like, Hey, this is the last call. I'm closing it tomorrow yeah. or I'm closing it in a few hours. And then I'll put a ton of detail not a full sales page, but I'll put more FAQs in there. You could repeat stuff from earlier in the week. People don't read your emails word for word, so don't feel bad to repeat it. So that's like that's the whole thing. It's a total of, what is that, nine emails. Got the pre-launch, and then you have the launch week. Yeah, man. That, I feel like you just gave us an entire course masterclass on you know the entire launch funnel, all the emails, like... That stuff's awesome, man. And the warm-up is is super smart. Even that paper stuff is amazing. So that's cool. So like right now, what's the main strategy that that you're focused on kind of right now, you, you know, exploring or or doubling down on, you know, you said podcasting, there's YouTubing, blogging now, affiliates. So kind of what are you zoning in on at the moment? So I haven't talked about this much and actually at all. I've only told like close personal friends. So it's perfect to share it on a podcast with you, cool. Lucas. That Breaking I news, like everyone. Breaking ago. news. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, nice. So all, this may not come through. Yeah. I may not do this because it'll end up being a lot of work. So I'll give you just enough to cut your teeth on here. So I have the, the course that I think I'm going to sunset and promote my peers courses. They do a great job. They're my friends, right? Mm-hmm. I never viewed them as competitors. So what I'm looking at now, because I, I was actually like on a panel about podcasting mm-hmm. at a conference called FinCon. And I have two podcasts and I love podcasting. And at this point, I just realized in the last three weeks, I'm getting like one to two questions per week from my network about podcasting. What mic do you use? What mm-hmm. camera are you using? Whatever. What about monetization? So like most good ideas, I didn't realize it, but then it hit me in the head as people are asking me. So one thought that I have is to have a a course on podcasting. However, I like podcasting so much that I thought about launching a podcast and then having people follow along because I don't have a course created yet. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I've often done is I will pre-sell a course and then build it along the way. I mean, I, I have like a, I would have a, an outline and a, and a skeleton. Again, the, the project management runs, yeah. runs deep. Mm-hmm. So I would have a pretty good plan and know what the offering would be. But one cool thing is I could ha- bring people along as I'm literally launching a course and meet or launching a podcast yeah. and have sort of a workshop style boot camp where people come along with me and then I have fantastic content. I have Q&A from when I'm having, say, weekly or bi-weekly sessions. I launch a podcast. I monetize it. Yeah. I've done this for a few years. So actually, I'm pretty good at it and I have a lot of connections. I can utilize my network and everything I've built 
instead of like, I, you know, what if I started something brand new? I'm like, hey, I'm going to start TikTok, um, yeah, which yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah, yeah, anything exactly. about. Start from ground zero. So yeah. yeah. So I'm starting where I'm an expert and I'm like, follow along with me. Cool. I don't need a ton of people to actually join the workshop or whatever. And at the end of the day, I'll have a new podcast, which here's the secret part, which it actually, you know, don't tell anyone, but yeah. I may sell the podcast, right? So there's an <laughs> interesting piece where I haven't seen pe people sell websites all the time, yeah. but what if I sold a podcast? Then I have great content for Niche Site Project, my YouTube channel, my Doug Show podcast, and then I maybe have an encapsulated little uh, unit of a platform, right? With a podcast, an email list, a YouTube channel that I could sell to some company that wants to start a podcast, but you have a podcast. Yeah. It's kind of hard, isn't it? Yeah. Right? It's hard to get a little traction. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if I, so that's the idea. Do you, do you have any thoughts on that? What do you think? I just want to double check. I, I, I get it correctly. So you said selling the podcast, are you selling your, your own podcast or you're selling building podcasts for other people or yeah yeah good great question yeah we're maybe the pitch needs a little bit of work you know yeah 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 this is it guys we're building a you know a million dollar course here i would start a podcast mm -hmm. and that podcast would be the subject material of the course got it people will join with me mm -hmm to learn how to podcast and I'll actually create a real podcast along the way. So they'll be able to see it. And I don't want to run a million podcasts, right? Yeah. So at the end of six months or nine months, I would hopefully have enough listeners and I would have essentially a podcast, a turnkey podcast that I could sell to a company. They could plug in a host, they could hire a host or whatever, but it would be a very, cause I haven't seen anyone sell a podcast like out in the open i've heard some people hey i've acquired this podcast or whatever but yeah so I, I do need to work on the pitch there's several pieces but one the piece that's relevant for for the people creating courses and funnels is i was thinking hey maybe i'll create a podcast and sell it and then i realized oh i could teach people what i'm doing along the way that's so smart well yeah like it's a genius idea because we had like well now I sound cocky because I did something similar, but as I was building a, a, a course called Course GPT, which is like kind of almost, you know, a course mixed with chat GPT prompts to help chat GPT build out your online course and funnel for you. He's like, I was literally being like, oh, hey guys, like, um, do you want to see how I build funnels? Well, here's the exact funnel that I'm going to build that you're going to click on and that you purchased from. Oh, you want ads? Well, I'm going to record ads. And they saw those ads and purchased them and then learn about it in the course. So I was like killing two Got birds with, with one stone. Um, and you're doing the same, which is like very, very meta um, and right. very, very cool. So I think, yeah, the more you can save time. And we have a lady who I met in, in Phuket as well, who's awesome. And she's like huge on blogs and she's really, really good at like driving a ton of organic traffic. And same thing where it's like, okay, you have the podcast as the actual podcast course content. We're just going to, you know, do a blog course where, you know, it's framed as a course, but there's no videos, there's no audio. And it's just kind of written with like templates and copy things like that. So yeah, a, a course doesn't need to be videos. People, you know, want the transformation. So, you know, if you're going to give it in a pill and it happens to them, they'd prefer that. So text, video, <laughs> right. you know, yeah. Okay. So from the way that you, which is brilliant, the way that you launched your 
product. Did, did you learn anything that you could share with me mm-hmm. now that you have gone through the process? Yeah. So I would say make sure. So we launched it and it was all, it was more like a validation uh, at Petra. It's like, okay, let's get this live. The course is like 70% done. Um, we launched it and the ROAS was really, really good. I think we, we got a 2.5 on cold um, straight out the gate with a low budget. So we're spending about a hundred bucks a day. It was doing okay. Obviously, ROAS would drop as we scale and it was profitable, but I didn't, honestly, it sounds crazy, but I didn't have time to like jump in the community and answer questions. And also some of the, you know, some of the course was missing and I took it back and film it. So kind of like pause new enrollments, work with that small group. And there's like, it's the worst. I run a podcast with course and funnels and I can't even finish my own, but I'm (laughs) going to relaunch that. So learnings was kind of, you know, get it ready, make sure... I, I think as well, you know, yeah, we could speak about a thousand things because, you know, 30 steps go into it and maybe it's a time yeah. for another podcast, but I guess in general, and it's easy with, with a course like course GPT, but the more you can make the big idea and the product seem relevant and timely right now, especially in kind of like saturated old markets, the better, right? It's so like, you know, what's hot right now? Can cool. AI? So even just adding AI to your headline or ad, um, could get better results. So that's kind of like general. We can go deeper on strategy, pricing, funnel structure, all that stuff. Sure. Um, maybe on you know maybe yeah. on one of your podcasts. We can do like a live build. Does that make sense? Is that helpful or kind of? Yes, yes. And and it reminds me like when I first launched my course, I had maybe twenty five percent of it done mm. by. Uh, launch week. So I was actually, I was ahead of where the group was because I drip out my courses. Mm -hmm. So I was okay, but I was, I was like, I have to finish it this week. I have to have this edited. Yeah. And it it adds some, um, a little fire under your feet to make sure you don't procrastinate. And then I was able to, you know, finish it in a short amount of time, knowing that we're paying customers right there. So yes, super helpful. And it it gives me a couple ideas, uh, especially with the the relevancy and urgency to like, hey, you want to jump in on this now? And then in my head, I know if I actually want to pursue selling, like creating a, a full course that is not a workshop. So it's a pure digital product, then I would need to, you know, come up with lessons, have more video, the whole sales funnel behind it. But I would also have all the, all the live uh, workshop and Q and a sessions to add as bonuses and that sort of thing. So it's like, I could use all of the assets and have all the, like you said, if you were able to get into the community more, you would have like more feedback to improve the course. So when you make it a pure digital product, right, where you don't have to get as much feedback, then you you answer all the FAQs right there in the lesson because you already got all the questions before. For sure. Totally. Well, I guess we got to move towards wrapping up, man. We've already gone over, so mindful of your time. But I guess in terms of you know creating online courses, selling them, scaling them, are there any you know final tips or kind of word of words of advice for, for people out there wanting to do that based on on all your experiences? One big thing I already mentioned, but I really want to emphasize it is pre-selling or validating uh, the course. It sounds like Lucas, you know, you perhaps run ads or do some other validation Mm -hmm. as well. I luckily I have an email list and, you know, an audience that actually can put an offer in front of and see if they're interested and literally accept money ahead of time. And I think that is a really, I mean, I, 
if I don't go move forward with a course, I'll refund the money and apologize and try to yeah. work with them and have a good relationship for the future. But pre-selling, I think, is essential. And I'm pretty sure most of the course platforms have training and they will advise you to do something similar. So highly recommend that. The other thing is having either a podcast or a YouTube channel or something with long form to help build a relationship with people goes a really, really long way. I have, even in the last few weeks, I've met podcasters that I listen to and literally I feel like I know them and they listen to my show and they feel like they know me really well. And, you know, you could just sit yeah. down have a meal and it's like a chatting with an old friend. So some sort of long form content, especially in, in the world of uh, video and podcasting, like y- you need to be on video, like yeah. do video mm-hmm. and you'll be really horrible at the beginning. But when you get better, it'll, I mean, it'll pay off in a huge, huge way. And it's a fantastic skill to have. You'll improve your speaking and confidence and, and all, all those things that a lot of us are nervous about. I mean, if you look at my early videos, they're horrible. It looks like mm-hmm. I was scared of the camera. I'm not sure mm-hmm. what was going on, but mm-hmm. video is big. And I personally don't love social media. So I'll tell people it's okay if you don't want to do social media even though everyone's like, do TikTok or do Reels or some other thing. If it's not your thing, don't worry about it. Find what you're good at and then focus on that and you could ignore the other part. If you want it, if you're good at it, if you want to do it, go for it. It can be explosive for your business, but I can tell you it's much harder to get someone from TikTok or Reels to go sign up on your email list than it is a video on YouTube mm. where someone spends a little bit more yeah. time, puts a little bit more effort into it. So courses are great though. Highly recommend them. It completely changed my business and changed my life. Love it. Love it. Well, that's a great point to finish on, Doug. I really appreciate you you coming on, man. Lots of uh, knowledge bombs. My mind is like, you spoke about so many ideas. I need to listen back and write this stuff down for our launches. So Again, thanks for coming on. Where can people find out uh, more about you and, and what you do? You can go to YouTube. My channel is Doug Cunnington if you like video. If you like podcasts, I have a podcast called The Doug Show. And that's at Doug.show. If you're interested in personal finance, like retiring early, financial independence, I have another podcast called Mile High Fi. And we talk about essentially retiring early and then the lifestyle after you've reached financial independence. Cool. So there's a lot of stuff out there. Just uh, search for me and you'll find different different pieces out there, whatever you want to follow. Awesome. Great. Well, Doug, I uh, really appreciate you coming on, man. Check out Doug's work online. He's got a ton of things, a ton of amazing things to check out. So Doug, uh, appreciate you coming on, man. This was awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Lucas. Really appreciate it.